Pastor Agus for allowing me the chance to speak and share this message on the topic of Jesus as the bread of life for the next two Sundays. To those who don't know, Pastor Agus invited my wife, Lisa, and me to visit your country a few years ago prior to the pandemic. And uh, we traveled 3,719 miles to be exact from our home to preach to your thriving church and growing church. They were also uh, really accommodating and a fantastic host, Pastor Agus and Dr. Lillian, Pastor Ruth and Edwin, Pastor Jimmy and Sandra are a team of pastors who are concerned about your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe you are very blessed. Thank you, Pastor Agus and Dr. Lillian, for giving me this opportunity, an excellent opportunity to speak to your church leaders and people. Thank you so much for your friendship as well. As I previously stated, we will spend the next two weeks discussing Jesus as the bread of life. Because the chapter is lengthy, we will divide it into two weeks. For today, let me focus on Jesus, the living bread, who satisfies. So, what does bread mean to people in the ancient Near East? I'm talking about the Bible's people, of course. If cereal is for Westerners and rice is for Asians, then bread is for folks from the East. In the ancient Near East, bread was a very essential staple food. It is no wonder that the people who followed Jesus were fed by Jesus and his disciples with bread. And the Lord uses this opportunity to tell the disciples some insights about him in relation to this staple food that they have eaten. Please join me in standing and then turn to John chapter 6, 22 to 38 in your Bible. Allow me to read this in its entirety in the English Standard Version. It says here, John chapter 6, 22 to 38. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, or truly, truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you are filled of the loaves, or you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has, whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Let us pray. Lord God, we would like to thank you for this opportunity. Because we believe, Lord, that even as we ponder upon your message, Lord, we believe that you are the one who's going to help us see another aspect of this passage about Jesus being the bread of life. May your sweet and gentle Holy Spirit reveal the truth of this living word in our lives. Lord Jesus, it is our prayer as well that we will get an insight from your words. We acknowledge that we cannot fully understand your word apart from your Holy Spirit. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to please guide us, lead us, teach us, and reveal to us your word of truth. So we will be sensitive to your Father's will in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, empower and embolden each one today. I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. Let's try to figure this out now. What this passage is all about? Between John chapter 5, 1 and John 6, 4, which can be assumed to be Passover to Passover, we can observe that Jesus had been ministering for at least six months to a year. That's what theologians and commentators say. Remember how the people on the mountain catch up on Jesus and the apostles? And the Lord had to put Philip to the test by asking him where he could get some food. He was concerned, though, that if they chose to purchase them food, they would not have enough money. Do you recall what he said? Even 200 denarii worth of barley loaves is insufficient to provide even a small amount of food for these people. Andrew considered something else, but wondered if the food taken from that small boy would be sufficient to feed the 5,000 men here. That's excluding women and children. The Lord Jesus Christ in his omnipotence sees that he can feed the multitudes with the five loaves and two fishes. Surely, there was an endless supply once he thanked his father until they have to collect all the crumbs from the five barley loaves. Could you imagine that? Which resulted in 12 baskets of leftovers. Can you also imagine God's power at work among them? Unfortunately, a nobody among the people expresses gratitude to the Lord for the food they were given. I was just reminded of our usual situation. Many people, you know, today fail to recognize that the food we eat on a daily basis is provided by God himself. Today, we are so used to seeing food on our tables that we sometimes forget that it came from the Lord himself. So acknowledge him first. Be grateful for your position and work, which were given to you by the Lord. May our daily prayers of thanksgiving to God for what we have served as a reminder that it is, it is his strength, actually, not ours, that produces it. Let me return to the context of the passage we just finished reading. People mistook him for the coming prophet when they saw the incredible sign he performed. However, sensing that they were already putting pressure on Jesus to become king, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. He stayed until evening. What Jesus was not revealed to us by the Apostle John is, of course, what he did during the time. He was most likely communing with his father, and the disciples witnessed yet another supernatural miracle from Jesus as he walked three or four miles from the shore to the boat in the middle of the sea. Truly, the Lord Jesus Christ is God who took on the form of a human and walked on planet Earth. In this sermon, especially on uh, that sermon did by uh, Pastor Ruth, 
with regards to her topic on uh, Jesus being equal with God, she gleaned from John chapter 5. And uh, you, you know, you know uh, the, the context of that passage wherein it was explained there that uh, he was calling God his own father, making himself, of course, equal with God. And in this case, in this particular passage, he can be seen, Jesus can be seen at times exercising his divine nature, at other times exercising his human nature. In this instance, we can see Jesus' divine nature as he defies the natural law by walking on water. Now, I don't think that anyone here can actually walk on water, okay? Try to do that, you know, in the middle of the ocean. I don't think that you can do that. Now, do you believe that if Jesus can do this, he can likewise do the seemingly impossible in your life? After all, he is the God-man, as Paul explains in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, that in him all the fullness of Godhead bodily, okay, uh, dwelt on bodily form. His deity, his divinity, dwelt on bodily form. I was reminded of what happened to our youngest son, who was three years old at the time. A large and heavy wooden shoebox fell on top of him, shattering a portion of his middle upper leg femoral bones. He will recover, according to the doctor, because he's still young. However, we must go through a six-month healing process or healing period, followed by a six months of uh, therapy, therapy period. This is normal, of course, in the eyes of the medical experts. But uh, we want to see how the Lord can defy nature's law by showing us His miracle healing. During the time we prayed, Lord, we know you can shorten the healing process so our son does not have to go through this condition. We prayed for him every day. We laid our hands on the shattered bones, me and my wife. The bone cement was removed eventually, and he was able to walk again. Now, not in a year, not even in six months, as the doctors had predicted, but in three to four months. What a miracle! God truly is the God of the impossible. Now, returning to the context of John chapter 6, we will now look at what we can learn about Jesus as the bread of life or living bread from today's main text. There are fundamental truths that must be understood in order to understand why we will believe Jesus is the living bread who satisfies our soul. The first one that I'd like to point out is that Jesus, the living bread, satisfies our spiritual hunger. Let me repeat that. Jesus Christ, the living bread, satisfies our spiritual hunger. Now, let's read in John chapter uh, 6, verse 26 to 27. Okay, let me just go to that passage in 26 to 27. It says here, Jesus answered them, Truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you are filled or you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ recognizes that the crowd's motivation for following Him was erroneous. It's because they know Jesus can provide them with something that will satisfy their earthly desires. They believe in Jesus because of the signs and miracles that led them to believe in Him as their Messiah. And God, of course. Rather, they are motivated by the desire to feed themselves. They want to feed their stomach. It's purely selfish gain. People in our world are so focused on themselves that everything they do is entirely for themselves and their own universe. 
their own small universe. Actually, the trinity of the trinity of selfishness is made up of three words: me, myself, and I. Many individuals all across the world believe that the items in this world might fulfill their desires and you know their their uh, wants. Possession, power, celebrity, uh, I mean, prominence, relationships, money, and possessions were supposed to be able to fill their empty hearts. They don't actually care if they offend God in the process. I recall hearing about a prominent tennis player who admitted to having a beautiful home and a fantastic family. But despite all of this, he still had a strong desire for something. All of the material goods in this world, including relationships, can be used to fill one's heart. But, of course, we all understand that it cannot really fill you know, our needs because what we really need is that God himself. It will almost certainly not find rest, the rest it seeks because our heart will continue to journey through the desert in search of a well spring to rest in. And that's what our hearts, you know, really uh, uh, wants. Until, of course, it finds its rest in God himself. I remember one uh, person, I, uh, if my memory serves me right, it's Isaac Newton who said that there's a void in our heart that nothing can actually fill it up, and, you know, except for God and God himself. As Jeremiah once put it in Jeremiah 79, and many of us knows this, that it says there that the heart is deceitful above all things. Above everything else, the heart is truly deceiving. Many individuals are led astray by it. It's no surprise when Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19, and allow me to also uh, quote that passage in the contemporary English version. It says, out of your heart come evil thoughts, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage, vulgar deeds, stealing, lies, and insulting others. Now imagine evil thoughts, murder that begins with rage or anger, unfaithfulness in marriage that begins with lust, stealing, cursing, and lying, pouring forth from every man's hearts. All of these things originate from men's hearts. This is why it is essential to have a transformed heart so that our hearts do not yearn for anything other than Christ and Christ alone in this world. Unless a person finds contentment in Christ, man's spiritual search and longing for truth will persist until he comes across Christ, the bread of life. As St. Augustine famously put it, and he uh, said in this uh, statement, Thou hast made us for thyself. O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Now, I understand how essential our work is, of course, you know, um, and at the same time, uh, our, our material possession. We believe that these are valid, of course, and our income and our families. We believe that, but however, but it's also critical to also recognize and comprehend that uh, our our lives or, you know, if, if we allow our lives to revolve on these things and not on Christ alone, then I'm sure that uh, we will not find satisfaction. This 
are temporary things. Whatever that you can see in, you know, in your life, the, the external things, the, the things that you see right now, the things that you possess right now, those are temporary things. When several of Jesus' disciples fled him due to his tough teachings, he asked Peter in John chapter 6, this is uh, actually coming from John 6.67, when it says here, allow me to quote this passage as well, because this is very important. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave me? Now, it says in John 6.68 and 69, it says here, Simon Peter answered, you know, Simon Peter is very, um, I would say, quick to answer whenever Jesus Christ asks, you know, some questions. But, you know, sometimes he tends to be so um, fast. But uh, I hope that, you know, whenever he uh, responds, it's the right response. It's the right answer. But in this case, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now in verse 69, it says, And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, I agree. Yes, if that's the question also for us. Yes, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Let me ask you. To whom sh shall you go? When I chose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and become a born-again Christian, I told myself, there would be no turning back. There would be no going back once more to my previous world. My mother, during the time, predicted when I was 17 years of age that I would revert back to my normal self because what I just had, what I just embraced actually is just a new craze. I don't believe so because it's been 35 long years since I began following the Lord and I'm still excited to grow in my love for and knowledge of Him every day. Nothing and no one in this world can satisfy our spiritual hunger. I hope that it will be the same for the rest of us as well. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 6, 27, it says here in uh, this passage in verse uh, 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Remember that, you know, Jesus Christ is truly the living bread that satisfies our hunger. Nothing, no one in this world can satisfy us except Him. Second that I'd like to point is that Jesus, the living bread, fulfills our divine purpose. Let's read John 6, 28 to 34. It says here in John chapter 6, 28 to 34, then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. <laughs> always. 
the Jewish leaders asked Jesus as to what exactly does God want them to do. They falsely thought that their divine purpose was to follow the legalistic works that they do to experience divine fulfillment as, as if this is the end goal of their religiosity or end goal of life. It's not really to know God, but to do the works of God through their legalism, which is not worth pursuing. They even put Christ's words to the test. In what way? By asking. Okay, asking him, what work do you do? And they also compared him to Moses, as if Moses is equal to him. They still struggle to understand that one must believe in Jesus Christ in order to know that this is the work of God that he requires. The divine purpose of man is to believe in Jesus Christ. This is the only work that could save a person's life. Remember, when Jesus Christ was hung on the cross and, you know, he said it is finished, well, that's the work of God. It is not human work that can save us. It's only the work of God that can save us. This is the only work that can provide man with his divine purpose. As the Cambridge Bible for Schools and Colleges commentary explains that phrase in verse 29, saying that you believe in him, they explained this is actually St. John's favorite form of expression, indicating the divine purpose. Truly, when we believe in the bread of life, who is Jesus, then we fulfill the divine purpose of God. Many people nowadays work solely for the purpose of living. They do not work or do not, they, they don't fully understand God's work, which is to believe in Jesus Christ. They thought their purpose in this world is to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow they die. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus also told a parable of a rich man who don't know what to do with his earthly riches. He thought his purpose is just to accumulate earthly wealth alone. In Luke 12, 19 to 21, this is what it says in that particular passage. Luke 12 says in 19 to 21, And I will say to my soul, Jesus Christ was the one uh, telling this, and I will say to my soul uh, regarding that rich man. Okay, the rich man is he's, uh, he's actually quoting the rich man. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The question is, are we truly rich in God's eyes? Is this the kind of work that God wants us to do? Accumulating worldly wealth that will, that will rot one day? Now, please do not misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with saving money and planning ahead of time. Nothing wrong with that. If you have, you know, a beautiful house, nothing wrong with that. If you have nice cars, there's nothing wrong with that. But if these are the only things we do without truly understanding God's work, which is, of course, to believe in Jesus Christ, then we miss out the point of living. If we only give our life in terms of accumulating the things of this world and give our energy, our time, until we reach old age, well, I would say that we miss the point of living. In the book of Revelations, in Revelations chapter 3, verse 18, it says here, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes 
Now, I would say that we have to go back to Christ because if we go back to Christ, then that is real richness, His righteousness. The, the white garments here symbolizes His righteousness because that's what we want. We want to be clothed in His righteousness. These words of Jesus Christ indicated that He should be the driving force for, for every human being on the face of planet Earth. As Jesus being the living bread, our sole purpose is to believe in Him or have faith in Him in every way we can until our last breath. As Paul states in Romans 1.17, he said in Romans chapter 1.17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So what makes you tick? For what do you work? For what do you toil? Why do you live the way you do? For what do you give your energy to? What matters most in your life? In our country, the Philippines, we have this coffee television commercial where a guy says, what motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? Of course, in that commercial, he's referring to the coffee. But I'm trying to translate this in the spiritual question. What motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? I also would like to throw the same question by saying, what or who motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? Is it the world's things? Is it your work? Is it the things that you need to do for yourself? Or could it be the Lord himself? What you can do for the Lord and what you want to do for the Lord? Does the material world fulfill your life's purpose? Or is it Jesus, the living bread, who does this? I hope we will also be like David, wherein in his last breath, he served God's divine purpose. As Acts 13.36 says, in this passage, it says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. I hope that this will really move us and push us to really you know, do the things for the Lord. As the famous British missionary City Stud once said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So remember, everything starts with the work of God, which is believing in Jesus, the bread of life. Now, third point and last is that Jesus, the living bread, assures our eternal salvation. Now, open your Bible to John chapter 6, 35 to 38. It says here in John chapter 6, 35 to 38. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Bread is essential to their culture's life. When Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life, he is saying that he is the only one who can provide people with real life, not just physical existence, a real life based on love and trust in one's relationship with God. Jesus also promises listeners that if they believe in him as the bread of life, they will never be cast out because it was the Father who enabled them to come to him in the first place. I'm aware that this particular passage or disputed, this is a disputed verse 
that has sparked centuries of discussion among Christian, Christians all over the world. I'm not here to tell you who is right and who is wrong. But as far as I can tell, all Christians believe that receiving Jesus Christ, the bread of life, as their Savior, Lord, and God assures their eternal salvation. I don't believe this is an intellectual assent only, but rather a genuine relationship. If you love Jesus, it goes without saying that you will obey His commands. This is what He said in John 14:15. It's very clear in that passage. It says there that, you know, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And again, we understand that we cannot be saved by obeying to God's commands because, you know, work, the works of the law cannot actually save a person. It's actually, you know, works will come in after we place our faith in Jesus. It's a result of our relationship with Christ. Daily obedience, on the other hand, will be evident if you have a personal relationship with the Lord. We are not here to pass judgment on each person's heart, judging who has and does not have a relationship with the Lord solely on their outward obedience because that would be impossible. Because each one of us have different struggles, different battles. All that the Father gives me will come to me, the Lord Jesus Christ declared. Are you coming to Jesus when you fall? When you face difficulties and obstacles in your life, do you turn to the Lord for help? Do you talk to Him when you're lonely or depressed? This coming to Jesus is, a, is simply a common response to our desire for fellowship with Him because He is the bread of life. It is only natural for us to seek His guidance and word on a daily basis. We need bread daily. Now, I'm not referring to the daily sustenance that we eat every day that's given, but we need bread in a daily basis because we need Jesus Christ daily. He's the living bread. Jesus spoke of the phrase, Come to me nine times in the New Testament. A person who has had a taste of the Lord will undoubtedly return to him. As Psalm 34, 8 says in this passage, in the book of Psalms, okay, this, is, this is what it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted the Lord's goodness in your life? If you are already a follower of Jesus Christ, it is my prayer that you will crave for more of Him as the living bread. Jesus, the living bread, satisfies our spiritual hunger, fulfills our divine purpose, and assures our eternal salvation. Why don't you come to Him today? Let Him satisfy your hunger. Let Him fill you up with His Spirit. Let Him carry your burdens. Let Him guide you by the hand. Let Him satisfy your soul. Let Him fill your heart with joy. If you need prayer right now, I'd like you to raise up your hand to the Lord Jesus Christ as a sign of humility and surrender. Father, I come to you right now to ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on your people. Allow them to be so satisfied in you that they will not long for anything in this world. Let them know that their possessions pale in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing who Jesus Christ is in their lives. Allow them to understand that while the things around them are necessary in their daily lives, they cannot satisfy their spiritual hunger and thirst. Father, I ask you to help them understand that things in this world, such as money, position, relationships, and possessions, cannot provide them with fulfillment and satisfaction, but only Jesus Christ can. 
May they display Christ's character in their daily lives as they commune with, with Him as the living bread. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will always empower them with your Holy Spirit so that every day will be a day of victory, transformation, purpose, and the filling of the Spirit in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for providing us with satisfaction, fulfillment, and contentment. Thank you for securing everyone's eternal destiny in you. I pray this in the mighty name and powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may put down your hands. Now, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if this is your first time to listen to this kind of message, and if you have not given your life to Him yet, I encourage you to please surrender your life to Him. Open your heart to Him and receive the living bread so you won't hunger anymore for the things of this world. Why don't you raise your hand right now as a sign of surrender and humility and pray this prayer with me as well. Follow me. Repeat these words after me. Father God, I know that I am a sinner. I believe I cannot save myself. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for me and rose again from the grave. Today, I open my heart. I receive him into my life. I believe that he is my Lord, my God, and my Savior. Thank you for the eternal life that you have given me. Holy Spirit, change and transform me. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you.